Hello, usual software-defined talk listeners. I decided to make this episode free because we had sort of a uh, dearth, which I means lack of, or maybe it means paucity. I get words mixed up, of episodes over the holiday. So I, I, uh, I enjoyed this one, and I think it's pretty good. So I thought we should make this one free. If you enjoy this content, you know, you can uh, go over to patreon.com slash SDT and sign up to get all the other episodes that are only available to the members uh, of this podcast, the Software Defined Talk White Paper Members Only Exegesis Podcast, if that's the right order. Also, uh, you know, apologies to the existing patrons. Sorry if this feels like I'm devaluing uh, your valuable membership. We appreciate you greatly, and there'll be plenty of other episodes. But it is nice to bring in more people who are co-listeners, right? So again, enjoy the episode. And uh, if you like it, go uh, go pay us some money, as they like to say. And you can get these uh, kind of episodes about weekly where we discuss various things going on in the content of the tech marketing world. Enjoy the show. Well, uh, you know, I was thinking before we were going to record this, 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 uh, my anticipation of, of this episode reminds me of the very beginning of, of an album I'm sure everyone's familiar with, Run the Jewels 2, where basically one of, one of the co-singers is like, we should do this. I'm excited. You might, you might want to record the other way. You finna look at history being made. This motherfucker put a mirror on the goddamn screen. Let's go, LP. Huh? Champ! And uh, <laughs> to paraphrase, I think, but I think I think maybe not since we reviewed the four has there been something I've, uh, I've I've found myself so passionate about. So you know, you know, while ostensibly the point of this podcast is to talk on the meta level and finally find a use for my uh, minor in English about how to apply a critical. Uh, I to reading things. I think I think it'll be it'll be all too easy for me to just backslide into debating the content of it, which I think I think is to a large degree uh, uh, its own sort of meta commentary on the the quality of the uh, mechanics of of putting together this this little article we're going to talk about. Um, and I think I think also there's a good meta discussion to be had where. Uh, uh, kind of discussing how this idea, uh, this 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 discussion topic has come about, and what's going on it, and the various ways that various types of people approach it and discuss it on the the corporate side and uh, in the commentary side, and then in the I, I don't know if the Economist is sort of like mainstream, but it's about as mainstream as I think you and I would get to. Well, maybe you you do your sports stuff, but even you in the sports area. You follow the uh, not so mainstream. I mean, you have what six TVs in your sports room, so you can you're, you're like the LBJ of sports. That's right. Yeah. Four TVs. Let's be clear. Let's not <laughs> let's not give me some uh, give me too much credit. That's but, right. So yes, anyway, anyway, your point is well made. Yeah. yeah. The, the 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 article at hand that we've selected is uh, so the Economist uh, out this week, as it is every week. The uh, newspaper, as they comically call themselves, they had a cover story on. Um, uh, I don't know. To, I, I think I think the main thing that it's on is basically on Facebook. It kind of it kind of plays at being addressing, uh, you know, I forget they, they they do it very artfully, but addressing sort of Google and I don't even know if Twitter is in there, but it's basically just kind of going over um, the way they pitch it is what are the problems with tech companies that people are uh, freaked out about, um, and and you know to. To editorialize even that phrasing, right? I think I think my read of it is more, it's it's 
done and we'll get to the form of it, which I think is delightful, but it's more of reporting on. So people are worried about tech companies. What are they worried about? And what are even in, in kind of an oddly, I don't know, it fits the way The Economist does stuff. They actually give some suggestions of things a company should do. And um, now the way they present this is, uh, well, there's two things. And, and whenever you have a cover story in The Economist, there's a section in it, if you're not familiar with The Economist, called Leaders. And I often listen to the uh, to the audio version of The Economist, so I always think of it in a, a feedy British accent, Leaders. And uh, that's, that's my impersonation right there. Uh, and, you know, the Leaders thing is kind of like a summary, the executive memo of it, which I think, I think, both of them are good. I mean, obviously, the longer one is uh, more in depth of this, but the lengthier one is written as if it's a memo from uh, who was it? Eve at Invisible Hands. What do they call it? Strategies. Strategies. There's two ways they spell the domain name. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but the first time they spell it, it's Strategies with an R in there, and then they spell it out again somewhere, and it's Strategy Invisible Hands Strategies. The misspelling is available as of last night if you want to buy that. But the other one, you have to buy from someone at GoDaddy. Um, right. But it's written, we even, it's written as a memo. Before, before we even get into that, I yeah. think it's like a good just, you know, the ultimate meta comment is, you know, just putting together, like deciding what's going to like be the feature story in the economists. Right. So I think that's a good starting point mm. around like you got to sell magazines. Right. And, yeah, you know, like maybe five years ago. Um, you know, it was all about how like tech's going to save the world. Tech's going to like make us uh, all healthier. And, you know, like all these look at all these great billionaires and clearly like in the media today. Right. The most, you know, the meta comment here is like there's just a big questioning of all of this. Right. Like, what does it mean? Right. And that's the Scott Galloway discussion we had. Um, I think almost every like even like uh, mainstream media, like whether it's like the Today Show, is Facebook bad? Right. Is it too much for your children? So. There is kind of like, you know, this always this meta conversation happening around clearly the economist is while it's very well written in a very thorough, detailed, serious magazine, they are, you know, you know, if you will, addressing, if you will, the, the, a very popular culture topic, right, versus like covering, um, you know, like some crisis in Africa, for example, right? So uh, that maybe I don't know, I'm just picking that arbitrarily, but yeah, that's just, no, you know, I, they could have done that, but yeah. You know, there is always kind of this push-pull between they're trying – you know, they, you know, just like Facebook, what are they trying to do? Garner our attention, right, and either get us to subscribe and then, of course, sell us ads. So it's like a good way to always think about these things. It's like even when media companies are commenting on media companies, some of their motivations are the same. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good – a good uh, of, of many doors to choose a good doorway to enter through for the analysis, and that is uh, – Speaking very abstractly and then narrowing down to this, right? I think I think when you're looking at a tech news site or channel so, or tube that tech content is coming down to you from, right? Like, it's good to know like what their deal is, as as it were. To use to use the words of Rick Sanchez when he makes the summer robot, like, "What's your deal, summer?" And you know, you look at someone like uh, the news stack, right? And Sometimes I get annoyed with their editorial selection, but then I remember that it's sort of right in the name there, right? Like their goal is to write about new infrastructure and application development and cloud technology things, right? So they don't really write about ERP or things like that. And 
you know, they're, they're not necessarily interested in like stories of change and transformation. They might brush up against that, but they're just chronicling the technology that comes out. And then there's another news source, uh, Diginomica, if I remember their name, and they've got, they've got a bunch of the, um, uh, longstanding, um, ERP, like, boutique analysts and journalists who write from them and and bloggers if you remember what those are and so like they'll talk about like infrastructure stuff every now and then but their focus is mostly on applications and things like that and so you know similarly so looking at the economist right and 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 you know i hadn't actually thought about it like they don't they have a culture section right in the back and they publish this 18 something or another like saturday edition um of cultural things um but when I read The Economist, uh, like what I'm looking for is an overview of current events uh, globally, for one thing, right? So, you know, if you remember the old Simpsons joke, right? Like uh, Homer's like, oh, what's happening in Burma or, or whatever. Uh, like, <laughs> so, so there is like, it, it gives you a global, a, a global coalition, a coalition of things happening globally that you just can't get anywhere else, right? Like even like the New York Times and whatever else there is. Um, but I always expect it to have like more or less, let me read, I was going to say business, but like to be pro capitalist, <laughs> right. And have this sense of, and so what does this mean for capitalism and how does it relate to commerce and, uh, enterprises and business, right? Like, and not in that really boring business way or not only in the boring business way of like the Dow is this and even the, um, like um, the boredom of like, you know, the business news hour that they show after the kid shows on PBS that I catch every now and then. And and not in that like frivolous, like hair flippy way of like marketplace, which is delightful, but it's just too pop businessy, right? Like marketplace is like, is like the freakonomics of business news. Like it's just like, you know, shitty candy that tastes delicious that, you know, I like it. But The Economist is like, it has, it has that bent to it, which is interesting, which you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that myself and Brandon, we enjoy a little bit of, uh, you know, strategy think and business injected into our news. And I think that's a lot of what, uh, what, uh, the economist does well. And I, and I think, I think thinking about it to your point. So with this piece, um, that's, that's, that's like the big failing that, that I think this article has. I mean, again, like most things that I criticize heavily here, like I think it's a good article. Obviously, it's well worth reading because it gets me worked up and think of, thinks about a lot, thinking about a lot of things. But like, I don't think it generally like speaks to and what does this mean for like business? And how does this relate to like the business side of things? Right. And so uh, to provide an example of that, I mean, first of all, let me just give a brief overview of the article, right? Like, it's an article that's basically like everyone's afraid about uh, you spending too you you tech companies spending too much time on grabbing people's attention and manipulating their information flow, and then there's also some questions about like competitive problems um, and annoyingly this is this is kind of a one of the failings of it like annoyingly the way they do a competitive thing is talking about how like facebook's instagram is sort of like out competing snapchat or snap which we can get back to and this is seen as like a big deal uh and something to worry about so it's basically like people are ready to pounce on you tech companies uh for these th thinking that you're, you're bad behavior and addictive and all of this 
but they never really discuss the real business of these companies, which is like advertising, right? Like they don't discuss, they, they have one chart that shows digital advertising and shows the share of Google and Facebook, but they don't have a chart that shows uh, all of advertising, right? Like they never really, that is a discussion I would want to see would be like, so we discuss the business of the world. Advertising is a maybe it's got to be close to a trillion dollar business, like a huge business, right? Basically, all of commerce depends on advertising as we know it. Like you have to know what a product is to go buy it. And you've got to have a lot of brand advertising to pay a huge premium for something. Even Walmart needs to have a lot of advertising to make you think that like they're valuable over a mom and pop shop. So you can go buy your pack of 12 tube socks for $4, right? Advertising is critical for capitalism. Like if no advertising, no capitalism. And so, uh, but like, there is probably a really interesting discussion to be had of like, so is the effect of Facebook good on advertising and therefore all of commerce, right? And that, and, and that to me is like the huge failing of this is like, and this is where I can easily slide into ranting about the content is like the real conversation is about the actual customers of these platform and the actual business of them. And by them, I mostly mean Facebook and Google when it comes to advertising is like, is that business going well or is it bad? Should we regulate them based on that? And, you know, it also doesn't really discuss like um, it kind of like has a side mention of Amazon in there, but it doesn't really it doesn't kind of like bring up that old zombie conversation that we had in the 90s about Walmart where it's like, oh, Walmart's terrible and is destroying everything. And next thing you know, it's going to be a boy and his dog out there because of Sam Walton. <laughs> and and like, right. you know, I think we've kind of solved that case really quickly. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, you could have a discussion like that about Amazon. Right. The destroyer of industries. And how could that go terrible? And do we go care? But we don't they don't talk about that either. And then finally, um, I think I guess it's is it's addressed to Apple, right? Like, so there's, there, there's kind of like lumping Apple in here and Apple more gets blamed for, and this is where I get nervous because I start sounding like some libertarian nut job, but Apple is basically made into the uh, rotting your brain uh, sort of boogeyman or boogie person. <laughs> right. uh, but the business dynamics of Apple are never discussed, right? Like how much money, like here, just out of many, many things, uh, just because this came out recently, you could have a really interesting business discussion of, there's two, well, I'll, I'll say two things. One, um, the fact that mobile is the new PC, how does that affect everything? What, how does that affect business, right? Like, what does that mean? Is that good, bad, or what are opportunities? And second, like, um, I forget how much it was, like five or 10 or even $20 billion have been paid out to the app store to developers. So like, that's a significant amount of money for the software business. And what does that mean? <laughs> right? Like, what's the implication for that? Like, is that good or bad or, or whatever? So, um, but kind of to what you're saying, a lot of what gets discussed and, and, and I think, I think maybe this is me forcing framing on it, but like, this is where I would want the writing to be more clear at calling this out is, um, what we're discussing here is the is perceptions that regulators and some parts of the market are having. And if these perceptions are allowed to fester and keep forming, they will begin to think of you tech companies as tobacco companies, and then your business will suffer. <laughs> right. right. And and like instead it goes down this uh pop culture moralistic um sort of path. And it doesn't really have the time to make a moralistic argument, right? Like it, it's, 
you can make a moralistic argument in like however many words this was, but you've got to be focused and use a different way of arguing about things. And so it's it's a very like weird mixed up thing, which I think, and then I'll finally stop talking, I think reflects this whole debate about like what good are these tech companies and how how are they doing things? I mean, I think the whole debate is a jumbled mess of confusion just because it's basically all subjective, like moralistic stuff, which if any, if humanity succeeded at anything, it's at making the the ability to properly discuss any sort of cultural or moral discussion completely fucking impossible, right? Like basically, the way that over the eons we've we've settled moral discussions is we fucking murder you, right? And then whoever is alive wins. Like that's it, done. So ouch, ouch. I mean, I don't know. I read books. Maybe we fixed that in the last uh, – since 1945 <laughs> or actually probably since the 70s, although I remember there was some problem with killing some other people. So, no, we haven't fixed that. We've just no. sort of shifted it around to uh, you know, President Trump's favorite parts of the world. True. Well, maybe that's – I mean I do think what you're hitting on a lot of here is like I, I kind of feel like this article wants to really be focused on Facebook, right? Because mm. that's the – and I think I, this I think is that's where key. I think – they kind of missed a little bit or like you could say they, they had an opportunity to do one of two things. I think what they're getting at most of the article is around Facebook. I really don't think uh, in the case because Amazon just happens to be in the, the headline and that was probably, you know, yeah, Am- Amazon's like collateral damage. In yeah, it doesn't really. And I don't even think Amazon's business, um, you know, why it has an advertising business. It's just so fun. It's not really social. I don't think people think of it as a social media company. I certainly don't. And I think Google, you know, I, while it's closer to that, it, it really, you know, the bulk the bulk of Google is really more like a direct response kind of advertising uh, model. It's not like yeah. you're just trolling around Google and looking at stuff. So that's, and I think there's maybe like a broader thing they could be talking about is like, is tech good for the world? And I think we've seen that a lot, but this one, you know, that it's really about Facebook and then therefore it's really about kind of this idea that, and I think the central question it's raising it should be raising. This would be the Matt Iglesias uh, talking point that you've alluded to in your write-up. Was like, does society think uh, social media powered by advertising is leading to the correct outcome? Like, the people that use Facebook are getting what they want. It's helping society, um, and it's a good way to make money. Like that is the central question that needs to be asked. Yay, capitalism! <laughs> right? Yeah. So. There is a point, right? I mean, and this kind of goes back and, you know, I think it's much easier to see these conversations around like things that have somewhat been settled, like tobacco, right? Like, you know, in our lifetime or actually even like, you know, beyond our lifetime, it sort of like came up had all this advertising, then people found all these, all these bad side effects. And now, um, you know, we're in the process of, you know, trying to undo that, right. Telling people not to smoke and, you know, we're not, we're not saying you can't do it, but there's heavily regulation, right? Like we came to this agreement that like, oh, we figured out this is not such a good idea. And we've taken steps to now, uh, hopefully have better public health outcomes. And we're working on that. And I think the, uh, the question, and I think it's a fair question to ask, right, would be the same thing here. It's like, okay, do we believe social media built on advertising could potentially have, you know, in this case, not necessarily physical, but maybe more psychological damages? And, you know, is that something to be legitimately worried about? Or again, it's another thing, uh, plug in the newsletter article you wrote, is it more along the lines of like, 
kind of everything we've seen before uh tv radio video games i think you took us all the way back to the printing press right with the bible yeah, yeah. like so, there's so, like there's always a yeah. famous person saying this new thing is is bad for the youth right, right, right. So, so so to address those two like one you're you're uh, i think you're alluding to like i was i was preparing the weekly software defined talk newsletter and I found my, myself just writing a rant about this, so I put that in there. So if you want to get that newsletter, where could people go, Brandon? SoftwareDefinedTalk.com, where they can sign up yeah. for the, the newsletter, top of the, top of the banner, hit That's subscribe. Right. That's right. And, and every week, we'll send out, uh, maybe not always a big rant, but links to all the stuff that we've done in the SoftwareDefinedTalk world and beyond. And, uh, and then also the selected links. I mean, let's be frank. The things I've picked out that I think That's are interesting. This one's good though. This it doesn't normally have quite the uh, the rant. This this is a, I, I'm just calling it special edition rant edition. It's good. <laughs> That's this right. One's it's a, very good. And and so so just for the benefit of the listener, I always appreciate it when the exponent people replay the articles because as we've discussed many times, I don't really read the articles anymore. <laughs> they're, they're a little trying. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I do, but like I don't fucking care about Disney, right? I mean, I mean, you know, insofar as what he's analyzing. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> going back to the positive side, yeah, I mean, I think. I think I think I figured this out. There's this book I've never finished reading because Jesus Christ, talk about a book that's hard to read. I mean, I read Programming Inequality, which I thought was a triumph of my patience with academic writing. But this information book is not academic writing, and it's really, really hard to read. But uh, there's a good thread running throughout that that you were just saying is that every single technology dealing with information has been reviled by the current people uh, who are doing it. Like, I'm sure there was someone who was upset that someone got like some paint and drew something on a wall and they were just like, holy shit, what are you doing? Gorg, right? Like they were very upset about it. But more, more recently, ironically, I think the first documented instance is, um, is Socrates was very upset about writing and, you know, he had a cogent argument. He was like, once you write something down, you lose the context of being there with a meat sack and you also can't talk to the written page as anyone who's been to college knows. Right. Like you can't really like engage with it and have it explain it. And then, you know, you got clay tablets and you got uh, illuminated manuscript and the printing press and semaphores with flags and telegraphs, radio, moving pictures, TV, the Internet, on and on and on. Right. And video games, as, as I like to say. <laughs> and every single one of these contemporaries thought that it was going to ruin society and uh, take us all the way to Lord Humongous and Friends, right? It was just going to be terrible. And I mean, I think it's clear that there are problems with each of these technologies. But in the same way that I can never figure out how many fried eggs I'm supposed to eat, glasses of red wine I'm supposed to drink, and if drinking three pots of coffee a day is healthy or not, because science goes back and forth, like, it's incredibly inconclusive, as far as I can tell, like how bad these things are and what you should do with it. And so like, you know, I watched a lot of TV. And look how awesome I am. <laughs> right. And <laughs> well, you know. I, I think that's good. That that's definitely a good point. I think a good read here that is uh not an academic journal was a book called The Attention Merchants. Mm, yes, and yeah. um it's it's actually like exactly. think, uh, popular uh, popular nonfiction. So it's like easy, easy to listen to on Audible, easy to read. And I like to think about the, and you know, just the short summary is he kind of just walks you through, um, all these different forms of advertising, how they came about and then, you know, in different ways they've been used and how they've morphed over many, many years. So he goes back uh, at least a hundred years, maybe longer. So I like to think like if that book was written, say 50 years from now, like what would the, like, what would, um, yeah. the section be, 
around like our time. And I think he would be like, well, because it's always like I can't remember exactly. It was like radio or newspapers came out. It was like, oh, it came out and everyone there's all this uproar and people weren't sure what was going to happen. But then it kind of settles out. Right. Like the end of every like one of these like disruptions in kinds of advertising always kind of it finds its place. Right. And then something new happens. It isn't ever the case that in society declined. You know what I mean? In society was over. No, you know, and and we've we've I I think I wrote a review of that book somewhere. Maybe I was no, I was going to. I remember because I never finished Chaos Monkeys. I thought those would be good uh, a good review with each other. But yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent book. And I think I think the the analysis in that book is like I mean, obviously it's a book, not an article. But that's the kind of analysis that would be awesome to see on stuff like this, right? And they even mention what's that guy's name, Tim Wu. They they mention him in the context of this, so he's. He's someone that's in there. But, you know, it's just to highlight one thing in there, right? Like, I mean, there's a whole chapter on posters. (laughs) <laughs> and like, yeah, and yeah. like, and, and it's, it's, it's like a lot of these things, you know, the, how, how innovation just goes into the background, right? Like someone had to invent cement, right? Like you forget about that. But similarly, someone basically, some people basically invented the poster. And not only did they invent the poster, but they invented all of the thought lording and the mechanisms of how you would use the poster to hustle and do things from recruiting people to selling cigarettes to whatever. And so it is and, – and there were vigorous debates about posters <laughs> and how, how they were ruining society and like laws passed regulating them and like all this kind of stuff. And in, in retrospect, you're like, hmm – posters you mean like that really lame ass section of boy hair bands in the back of michael's like that's what we're talking about right but i think you're what you're getting to in that section right is one of the reasons he spends a lot of time talking about posters is uh the recruitment uh of the people being drafted into uh, the wars right by the british world war one because it he and what generates a lot of discussion of like, is the poster bad is the invention of uh, Uncle Sam, right? The mm-hmm. now famous uh, recruitment poster. And it even goes into history of like where that came and why it was. So what what he kind of outlines there is like, well, there was this time when, you know, most of the United States was, was really uh, really working towards, you know, pushing back against Germany and like, hey, there was everyone was on, like, we need to recruit more soldiers, right? So they kind of took the capabilities of posters and then built this thing and they, you know, felt, felt like that was one of the reasons, right. You know, that helped us uh, spurn the, the allies, right. You know, doing well in world war two. But, but my whole point of saying that is in that book, he's identifying like the most important social political issue that drove the awareness of the tactic. And that is what like the elephant, and that's not even maybe a big enough metaphor inside of this article is you know the united states election of trump right is is that's what's driving yeah, yeah. i think and, and that's the that's conversation like barely mentioned as well yeah and i think that's the whole thing like i think you know 30 or 40 years from now like when they were to write this you know art the section of attention merchants that's where they would start they would say in 2016 there was this election. It was very controversial. This figure, you know, and at that point, it'll just be historical. It'll be like this crazy, hist- uh, you know, um, uh, television personality was elected president. And a lot of people attributed it to the use of social media. And then they may even go back and say, well, it turns out it wasn't a big factor, right? They'll do- have done all the analysis. So, you know, in the moment, like we're just so, and this is where you, I think what you were saying, in the moment, we get obsessed about just talking about the poster, in this case, Facebook. But like the historical analysis is going to be like, we just weren't ready 
yeah. to talk about like the real issue. And that's what, you know, this article has like, and in The Economist is certainly the kind of uh, uh, periodical that could do this, right? They could go in and like really tear into like, really the issue here is not Facebook. It's the outcome of an election that people are really uncomfortable with and are searching for the reasons why. Yeah. You know, you know and, and, and I hadn't really thought about connecting this, but it's, you know, I, I think I need to find a better word that's as interesting and as, and as fun as butthurt. I mean, that's such a, that that word has so much utility to it. But like, I try to avoid references to like violent anal sex and things like that as much as I'm trying. I'm trying to be a better person, Brandon. But so if anyone has any ideas of as, you know, electric as a word as butthurt that I can start using, I'm I'm totally welcome to them. But, you know, one of the notes I was making is like, I'm pretty sure this is just like not to celebrate myself, but like, I'm pretty sure this is just like butthurt over Trump winning. Right. Like a lot of this. And I and I think you're exactly right. A lot of the greater discussion is about that. And it is interesting in contrast, like, I mean, I guess I'd have to go validate this, but I'm pretty sure when like Obama won, there was like this spree of how awesome social media was because it helped get him elected. Right. Like that was a big deal. Uh, and, and so in that instance, the posters were great. Right. Because the, the person that we wanted won. And and even back then, there was like a lot of sophisticated usage and comparing how the Hillary camp hadn't understood and used social media correctly, but the Obama camp did and, and all of this stuff. And so it is it is like that discussion. Again, it kind of goes it, it would have been nicer to read in it. And, and it gets back to um, that, that point that I was trying to make is like, I think I think what this article sort of should want to be is more about controlling perception, right? And like, kind of to your point of and 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 it's sort of like people are thinking this about you companies, and you should stop being such an idiot about it. And you need to respond to it, right? Which is kind of the opposite way that I'm responding, right? Like, ultimately, I'm that old uh, to use Ben Thompson's word, him and uh, him and uh, James were talking about this on today's podcast, right? Like, Instead of being the get off my lawn, just, you know, you can change the channel person like I kind of am on all of this. Like they do need to somehow garden expectations and perception around this because that's important, right? Like, I mean, any company that's valued as highly as all these companies are, like perception is hugely important as as you see with like Uber. And, and you know, even when uh, like Facebook said they're going to change how they do their activity feed, they lost like $25 billion of value, right? So there are big effects to this. I'm kind of trailing off here, but um, so so to the point of me trailing off. So Brandon, what points is this article making? Well, I think the biggest point they're trying to make, you know, in a very long way, is just that you know there's this idea of addiction, right? The idea of the filter bubbles. It you know the the way they kind of portray it is that there's going to be a big backlash against tech and i mostly in this context mostly facebook so what you know in in the end right it's like what should these companies do because it's written as a memo right to the leaders of these companies like fictitiously right and so what you're seeing and he kind of alludes to you know zuckerberg kind of coming out this year and saying like his goal this year is to like make facebook better which in itself is just kind of funny that he always has yearly goals and one year is to like make the company better it's because uh of course, you would think he's working on that all the time. But, you know, nonetheless, right, I mean, I think their point is that, like, you know, the leaders of these companies kind of have two choices, right? Either regulation is going to come, you know, and I think this is a bit of a false choice, but they kind of set it up as, like, regulation from various government entities, being both the United States and Europe and any other leaders, uh, is going to come. 
and they either need to adjust them, adjust on their own, or they're gonna something's gonna be changed for them. So, I think that's the summary of it. And then I think you know the societal question is just more general, is around you know can we all like what what's gonna happen if we're all addicted to Facebook and all we do is Facebook every single day? And I think that's just sort of like left open as an open question for the reader to contemplate. That that to me is kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that makes there, there's there's and and this is this is sort of like um <clears throat> it sort of it sort of picks up. I mean the reason we we reference uh Professor Scott Galloway or however you say his name and uh, his book 4 is he he sort of has a similar thrust to what's going on is these companies need to take more responsibility in their role in society. <laughs> and, yeah. and and not even society, you could even use the word civilization, which Again, that would have been a nice article to read, <laughs> right? In in the sense of, so so let me just sort of like traipse through this argument, which, as I'm formulating it in my head, I totally agree with this line of thought. Is despite how weird it may make me feel, feel being someone who used to subscribe to like Adbusters and stuff like that, like I feel like you know, like Ford, like has uh, responsibility to civilization. You know, like, like, like the big mega companies, I, I since, I don't know what sincerely means, but like, if, if they're boards, and at least they're sea level people, if not, most everyone in that company is thinking about how am I going to conduct what I do today, so that things are better in the world, right? Like, there's a huge missed opportunity. And it's almost irresponsible that you wouldn't be doing that. I mean, especially, as as the Sunday morning talk show uh, advertisers will show you, you know, companies like Exxon like have a huge responsibility, and they're an interesting foil of an example to all of this. Um, you know, the more potential damage that you cause, the more you need to give back uh, to sort of hedge out your shittiness, essentially. And so, like, I don't, you know, to the, my joke earlier about like the way you win a moral argument is you murder your interlocutor. But like, I don't really know. I've never heard a good version of that argument for these companies. But I feel like that's what a lot of people want to say is like, you have a responsibility, like you are now a big enough deal that you're responsible for making sure that not only you behave well, but that things improve. And um that's a lot of like what the the sort of like conclusion that people like Galloway Galloway and I think this article and and other people want to drive to is and 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 you can lay out it's it's almost like a really well formed argument that's missing like one a couple of key points that's missing a premise right so it's it's easy to point out how aloof and like weird Silicon Valley people are what whatever that means in this context right like how they just like are not aware of their civic duty and things like that and and it's not that that stuff is necessarily false but it does point towards there needs to be a broader discussion of like well what is the responsibility of a company to do stuff right like what are they supposed to do and i think you know to use a, a, something that I, I don't remember if it's discussed here but like you know the morals of 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 uber are a good foil for talking about this kind of thing where on the one hand uh, you know, there's kind of three buckets of things. One, you can, yeah, I think there was an article about their former CEO, which I didn't really read in detail. It was just sort of like, you know, irresponsible white guy porn, which is instructive <laughs> to read if, if you're into that. Um, but it's just like these people have no moral compass, which 
we don't really care about if you have no effect on the world, right? Like if someone with no moral compass is alone in the woods, does anyone give a fuck? Like, no, right? right. But if that person then is having an, a huge effect, like everyone does care, right? It's the old, uh, it's the old, if you got a room full of monkeys and there's bananas at the top of the ladder and every time they go up there, you squirt them with water, the monkeys start to learn that you shouldn't go to the top of the ladder. So if you introduce a new monkey, they prevent it from going to the top of the ladder because it's going to damage them. Or that scene in Full Metal Jacket where they beat up the dude with soap, right? Like right. once the bad behavior of one actor in a group starts to damage the whole group, then they stop you from doing it. So right. it's, cl it's clear that this guy is crazy and was not helping out. On the other hand, as 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 uh, our, our faux buddy Ben Thompson would point out about, so how else are you going to change the fucked up world of local taxis? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's sort of like it's, 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 a, it's a positive version of live by the sword by, you know, uh, die by the sword, which is like live by, you know, disrupt the corrupt institution – then you must be a corrupt institute. I don't know. Like it's very complicated. So that kind of moral discussioning, and I'm not even like, I got no beef against the like you should you know uh, you know keep your your private parts in your pants discussion, which is a whole other problematic thing. That's that's a good discussion. But like when it comes to just straight up business practices, it's like where's that discussion? Like how does that weigh into yeah. things? Well, I think you're hitting on kind of like what we always see and this plays out over and over time, right? It's like, you know, at the end of the day, like society is always trying to balance this, you know, if, if you will optimize between regulators and, pri and private industry, right? Like when without private industry, kind of like a lot of things don't happen, new ideas don't happen, but if it goes unchecked, right, then it can lead to problems, right? And that's where regulators are. So, so really what we come back to, I think, is um, what we come back to is the same thing that we see, you know, over and over again. It's like, you know, where do we need regulation? Where do we know? And I think clearly right now, you know, it, we're saying basically that Facebook potentially needs more regulation. And I think there's some simple things here, right? Um, you know, just just relying on the algorithm isn't enough, right? And I think putting on Facebook, like, yeah, we need to know who all the advertisers is, right? You as somebody that's using Facebook potentially needs to know all the, the advertisers that are showing you some stuff. And, you know, Facebook, you probably do need to actually show us some information about who you're sharing our information with. So now you're seeing some regulation that could be placed upon Facebook, which I don't think necessarily is wholly bad. And of course, the Europeans, you know, are always way ahead on this kind of stuff for whatever reason and, you know th there's a lot of talk in you know like the enterprise world around gdpr which is the general data protection well, regulation um kind of i, stuff I, I have out. i have a a story of small bureaucratic victory to tell you about that after, after <laughs> okay. we record and while like we're gonna hear like we're gonna hear in a second we've actually prepared a story about how you know regulation was annoying and coach is gonna tell you how he how he survived it <laughs> right what we're saying right is that like yeah, it is annoying. I mean, I, you know, no matter what Cote says, I'm going to agree with him and be like, yeah, it is annoying. But, you know, the the fact that like that that a government agency puts that on, right, these companies is a way to kind of start to balance, you know, the scales a little bit here. Just like, you know, it's in places where we don't think about it as much as you can't just sell any type of pharmaceutical drug, right? It has to go through the FDA. 
because we've kind of figured out if we don't, um, people die, right? So it's yeah. the same kind of idea. And then, and there, like, we don't really have any. We may argue about specific regulations, but we don't argue that the fact there should be someone looking at it. And I think the same thing is here, right? With Facebook and Google, you know, hey, knowing who that like, and they're super smart companies, right? So we're not asking a lot to. When you when you build your algorithm, you need to track certain things, just like you track all these crazy attributes about like me that and you can actually go into Facebook and see what they which profiles they put you in, which is always like a weird moment for yourself. They're like, oh, they know I'm a dad. Oh, they know where I live. Oh, they know what I shop for. Right. Mm. So the fact they can do all of that, they could also in the same place be like, well, here are all the advertisers that um, that we shared your information with. Here's the stuff that um, we're actually showing to you. Here's some stuff you can do that makes you uncomfortable. Right. Um, and then, you know, especially especially on the political side, right? I think that needs to have, just like in the regular media, we're very diligent about, you know, maybe it's boring, but on TV ads, right? It always says like this ad was sponsored by, you know, some some, uh, political group, right? It could be the same kind of thing in Facebook. So it's not like everything has to change. We have to tear it all down, you know, burn, burn it to the ground and start over. It's more like, well, let's just figure out what kind of regulation we need so that we go forward and it'll make the product much better. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that, yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and you know, to, to that end, I was writing down, I think, and, and uh, you know, pieces like this can always be structured better and have more bullet points and be more clear about what they're discussing. Um, but I think, I think maybe there are like, like, just to outline it more, there's kind of like three arguments uh, that would be made about how these, these companies and again, to your point, how Facebook is a bad actor and like something needs to happen. I guess that something is more regulation, right? And 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 then there's also a uh, antitrust thing, which is one of them. So first of all, uh, there's uh, we've alluded to it a little bit, but let's I'll, I'll list the three things and we'll see if I remember to go back to them. First, we'll call it like predatory advertising, right? Which is like advertising that's above and beyond like you might be interested in this mattress, right? And it's very conniving. And and to some extent, it brushes right up against uh, like snake oil selling. And this is, this idea is, is basically the theme of the attention merchants and is handled wonderfully in there. Like what is the, what's the history of advertising and the morals of it and how it's worked and Therefore, how might you think about regulating advertising and anything related to advertising once once it's informed you there? So you got predatory advertising, and then and then uh, to use a silly analogy, it's sort of like the concept that like uh, you know guns don't kill people, bad information kills people, and which which is to say these are media companies, uh, and, and they're not just like dumb pipes right? Like of, of information and they're abdicating responsibility to make sure that there's good information in there. Uh, so they don't have any editorial, uh, sort of control. And then that's bad for some reason. And then as I was alluding to earlier, there's the, the area of troubling, which is like, I don't know if antitrust is the right word, but like bad competitive practices. And so, uh, to work through those kind of in reverse, um, cause I think the, I think I think I just listed them in my or in the order of the strongness of the argument in my view, right? So the competitive one is um I mean I'm really biased being in the tech world, but like competitive stuff in tech is always very very difficult uh for a couple of reasons. The first one in this context is there's a big discussion in the article about how there's some worry about the anti-competitive nature of Facebook and Snap 
I still always want to say Snapchat. And that is that um, Facebook tried to acquire Snapchat. And, you know, you could go read all of Ben Thompson to figure out why. They just want to get eyeballs and stickiness, same old shit from the late 90s, right? You just want people's attention. And you get that with Snap. Uh, and so uh, Snap rebuffed them. And then instantly, uh, you know, Facebook was like, oh, well, we can just duplicate your features in Instagram, which from a fiduciary position, you wonder why they didn't just do that in the first place. But never mind that. No, no one ever worries about that stuff. Um, and, and so then there's this worry of like, oh, just like Microsoft tried to do, uh, Facebook is going to use its heft and market presence to drive Snap out of business. Which on the face of it, because I said out of business, is troubling. But then on the other hand, and to be all judgment-y, like, does anyone fucking care if Snap is a business or not? Right? Like, it's like, uh, so? <laughs> like, like, like it's it's not, like, whether or not... Right, it has no special status. Yeah, right? there's Lots no... Lots of things go out of business, and it's not a big deal. Exactly. And, and like, I don't know if you, the audience, has ever, like, surveyed what's available... But the, and and again, I am very aware of sounding like whatever libertarian pro Microsoft versus DOG person. But like, there's a lot of options out there, right? Like, there is no end of options that will do all of that stuff. And so, it's not that consumer choice is losing out. And so, maybe on the advertiser perspective, right? Like, uh, the real customers, like. Are advertisers worried that maybe there are not enough uh, digital places to put their ads and so therefore prices will be manipulated and it'll somehow stop business flowing? Like historically, if you've only got like one to two railroad people, if you remember that movie There Will Be Blood, you can charge an exorbitant amount of money to transport the oil from the southwest down to the coast. And then next thing you know, uh, what's-his-face is murdering people. Murdering yet again, right? <laughs> so it's sort of like I guess maybe railroads are bad for one person to control. Um, I, I, I don't know. And so like – but then again, it's we're talking about advertisers. And like despite me saying ad, how important advertising is to capitalism, like – if you had an article saying like advert people who want to spend money on advertising are getting screwed, like would anyone care? <laughs> right? Like right. moralistically, I don't think anyone wants to be the champion for advertisers. Um, so I, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there are other angles of competitiveness, but because it's in this space to be blunt that I don't give a shit about, right. Consumer tech, like whatever, right. Like it's, it's, it's all, it's sort of like arguing like, that one TV show production house is so much better funded and doing well that they're going to make a really good and very distributed and very advertised and they'll buy out actors and like pay writers not to write for the competition. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. is that a big deal? Well, I, th I think another way to look at that same issue becomes the same conclusion is just when you're getting into the point of like, thinking about competitive markets and, you know, potentially antitrust, it really requires the regulator to kind of almost predict the future, right? Like they mm, know that, that yeah. um, and that is, as we know, I mean, that not only is that hard for anyone, regulators are typically not 
right? The, the people that are really good at that. So, um, and as we've seen in tech over time, is like what really displaces what we think at one point is a monopoly is something that really none of us foresaw, right? So, you know, the dominance of Microsoft, right, really displaced by Google, but we didn't, as it was happening, we didn't quite understand it. And then, you know, we could obviously have the same conversation about Walmart and Amazon and go on and on. So I think that's just one reason that, you know, there is, it isn't like you can remedy these things uh, very quick in tech. Whereas, you know, it does seem to have worked in places where there was large fixed costs with around natural resources, whether that be, you know, a railroad, uh, standard oil, or uh, a large at and like, you know, largest telecommunication company where it was like, yeah, I mean, no one was going to like, you know, build all the tracks, right? So there's kind of a point where yeah. it was like, oh, wait a minute, like, we don't have to predict the future, it's here. And it's just, it's not what we wanted. Whereas five or 10 years from now, it's very likely, you know, Facebook or all the, the fame companies of today, you know, will have been displaced in some way that none of us can predict. Yeah, yeah. which, you know, kind of proved itself. I, I think I think of all these companies, what is this? And well, in 2007, things were starting to happen. So, you know, 12, 15 years ago, like Google was the only one. <laughs> and I mean, Amazon was kind of there, but people weren't freaked out about it as much as maybe as they should have been. But yeah, uh, I don't know. So, so, so that, that competitive argument, like, I think, I think maybe the blind spot I have, which is one of the things that I value the, the Ben Thompson overview is, is I guess I don't take this, uh, industry this business industry seriously right like i think i think the pro antitrust thing here would be there is a market that has been created you know whatever he would call it the aggregator market whatever this market is digital advertising um that's powered by social graphs and all of this stuff and that's a market that people can enter to make money and once you just call it a market, we have to regulate it because that's what we do. And the rules of regulation that we have are the following, right? Like, which, you know, someone has to decide that. Like, I think, I think maybe they even quoted it in here, but like there was some European regulation of like, if you have 30% market share and 5% of the profits, or I'm getting it totally wrong, then instantly, like, you know, you're too big to succeed. You can't grow above that. So I don't know, someone has to decide if that, if doing that, helps everyone out more than not. But again, like, it's just like, it's just Facebook, <laughs> right? Like, right. <laughs> like, like, you know, conversely, like, as I kind of like a quarter jokingly wrote several times here, right? Like, does this mean that Verizon, which now owns Flickr should be like suing the pants off of Facebook for like, fucking over its picture sharing <laughs> thing? Like, I don't like, right. does that even make sense? Right? Like, does anyone care? Um, Anyways, like just just speaking out loud, I mean, I, get, I don't understand all this stuff very well, but there's two cases that are interesting to think about more. One of them is whatever – I think when Amazon and was it Hachet? Like Amazon was doing some weird like – Yeah, the book thing. Yeah, yeah, some weird supply chain pricing controls just because they moved so much product, I think. I think that's why they were telling people how they should sell to them. And, you know, Hache or whoever was like, no, I don't want you telling me what to do. And so I don't know. I, I don't know the nature of that. But on the surface of it, it sounds sort of like, I don't know, if I'm a vegan and you come to my house, don't eat ribs, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and maybe I cook really awesome miso soup and you really want some of my soup. So tough shit. Don't bring your ribs. Uh, but like... Um, so there's that. And then also, I don't understand it enough either, but 
the uh, Oracle versus Google case around my naive understanding of it is basically in Android, Google was like, we're going to use the Java APIs, but use our own implementation and not license it from Sun, which owns the copyright and probably IP. We need like Simon Phipps on here to explain all this to us. But like, and then once Oracle bought that, they were like, no. And so they were suing Google to get money for it, which I mean, I think that's like reprehensible stupidity. But on the face of it, if the way I explain it is true, it's like, yeah, that's that's how IP works, <laughs> right? Like, and if you don't want it to do that, then you should change it. But that's that's how it works at the moment. So, I mean, those are two interesting for me, like comparisons of like uh, shenanigans going on and sort of like the business thing. So anyways, uh, so then the third thing is like this idea of, uh, you know, bad information kills people, not the uh, not the not the mobile apps that are using them. And you know, th this is, this is, I mean, maybe I'll just point to this. I think, I think the, is it this week? I think this week's episode of the weeds, uh, like, uh, you know, it's the software defined talk all stars here, but like Matt Iglesias has a good rant or, or I don't know if I call what he does rants. They're actually very well done. They're artful rants. He has a good explanation. That's basically like, yeah, I mean, what they're afraid of is being – what Facebook is afraid of is being said that – being told they have bias, right? They don't want to be the uh, lying New York Times or Facebook or whatever because what we're asking them to do is to make a judgment somehow about if this news is true or not. So when a news article comes out that there is a child sex ring in the basement of a pizza parlor that like the Clintons are involved in uh, – we want Facebook to say this is bullshit and and not publish it. And then, but then there'll be a bunch of people who are like, well, maybe Obama wasn't born in America to like switch to another thing, right? So like, if Facebook decided that all the birther stuff was bullshit and didn't publish any of it, like, how would that have gone, <laughs> right? And so it's almost impossible to find this line between you know uh, you know pizza pedophilia and like you know birtherism. And to figure out which one you should do or not. And so they kind of, from a business standpoint, kind of back off from it correctly, right? But on the other hand, as, as Iglesias says, right, it's like you can't, as Facebook, like advocate responsibility to the algorithm, which is a funny concept of in its own, but whatever, to, to your algorithms because like people write the algorithms, which – I guess if I had a more sophisticated understanding of machine learning, I could argue that like, well, not a hundred percent. At some point, the machines start doing their own algorithms. And then next thing you know, you got that ex machina thing and the chainmail lady and everything. But like, anyhow, <laughs> you know, there is a prime mover argument to be made in the same way that you could argue against God and be like, well, that guy's a fucking jerk. Have you seen all the murder that happens? Like he set this whole thing up and supposedly he knows everything that's going to happen. So, yeah, like, you know, there is a prime mover thing of like you set this system up and you control it. And so like you from a cosmological standpoint, like you can do whatever you want, which is, you know, this is this is like a core Iglesian point is like if you are operating in a system and you can determine what happens in that system and you act otherwise, then you're full of shit. Right. So basically the point yeah. he's making is like Facebook could decide not to publish crap shit and but they do. So yeah, that's Facebook's choice is they publish crap. Right. Like in yeah, the I story. think that's just a, another way of saying like there's some editorial responsibility. Right. And yeah. like everybody has everybody that's 
whether you yourself are putting together a newsletter or the New York Times, like at some point you decide like what's worth reading and what's valid. And I think that's the part that Facebook yeah. has to own up to. And, and, and I guess, I guess maybe like the stuff they've done this week is, is if I've understood it right again, like I don't care enough about this industry to like be confident in the accuracy of what I know about it. Um, but if I understand right, like Facebook was like, oh, we're going to go back to the content coming from your peers more. We're going to move the dial to your actual people that you you are friends with and follow versus brands uh, that can inject stuff based on your interest, which that's probably fine, right? Like maybe yeah. Facebook would be more useful to me because like I don't really use Facebook because it doesn't cover tech news and, yeah. and I, think I don't really give a shit about the other stuff. I was going to say, but you're hitting on like two things. Like one, just them act, the act of them saying it is like the equivalent of saying like we hired a new editor, you know. So one, it kind of shows they do control, right? They've mm. essentially going to you know use a new algorithm, which is a new editor, to decide kind of what what gets front page news, right? What gets out there. And then two, and this is the more important thing, I think, um, comes down to I I believe you know because everyone is always acting in their own interest is that. They've come to their own conclusion on their own that the long-term value of this company is better to move away from the yeah. news sharing uh, to more like what you just said, the personal connections. Because they know that even in the short term, maybe that helps them sell as next quarter, that there is potentially some fatigue that you kind of alluded to that people are just like – they're just tired of it. Because the thing that's going to kill Facebook above all of this other stuff is people get tired – and get sick and get bored with Facebook, right? And that's where I think, you know, they don't come out and say that, but I believe the changes in algorithm are probably equally based, or the motivations are equally based on that, that like, yeah, we find that through a bunch of tests that they've been running, when we show people less of this news and more of this other stuff, uh, they like it more and they're more likely to be a long-term user uh, versus what you were just saying is like, you know, you just don't get on it very much anymore. Yeah, and and I, and I think maybe, maybe, I mean, that makes me think, uh, there, there is a, a good argument to be made. Again, I don't think this doesn't really get to like you need to regulate the business or anything, but it's more of like here is an idea that would be awesome <laughs> if, if, if Facebook believed it. Like as far as I can tell, there you don't have much control to tune the type of information you see, right? Um, in this, in contrast, right? Like what I read is I have uh, I have a bunch of RSS feeds that I read, and so I control exactly like the the things that I read, right? And I don't recall a place in Facebook where you go and talk about what your interests are, right? Like you could, it, it would be nice if you could just say, I mean, for the point of our argument, like I don't want to see any political stuff, right? So like. I'm not really sure in Facebook if you can tune things like that. And so that might be a nice way around bad information. And then, um, you know, this this is coupled with the fact that, like, the old, uh, you know, just change the channel if you don't like it. Well, that only works if people can change the channel. Like, you can't take personal yeah. responsibility if there's no ability to change the channel. And so until, like, you know, someone like a Facebook, they need to add those options. And then if they don't have that kind of stuff, then there's no argument to be made for personal responsibility. Then... To some extent, it is their fault, right? Like, it, it, one, someone has to elect to use it, but once they do use it, it is Facebook's fault if people can't tune it to, to what they want. So then finally, before we wrap up, like, I think the strongest argument uh, to be made of, like, something should happen is what you're alluding to, which is, like, you know, there's this, uh, you know, sort of predatory advertising, which is to say um, people are 
duped into giving up a lot more information than they would knowingly give up. And what this results in is people better targeting companies, maybe individuals, better targeting advertising to them. And it's basically like the junk mail problem, except like done in, in, a, in a much more annoying way, right? Where like, I don't want this stream of stuff coming at me. And I don't really want you to know so much about me. And if I knew the fact that you knew all of this data about me, like all the stuff that I like, things that I complain about, like a good example here, I, I heard there was some lawsuit that um, that Aetna, some class action lawsuit that Aetna mailed out something and <laughs> talking about technology, we don't consider technology anymore. There's a technology called an envelope. And one of the more advanced things in an envelope is you have this clear thing that allows you to see through it so that you can... Uh, see that uh, uh, an address that you put in there. And apparently Aetna had the little clear window a little too big. So when the mail went out, you could read some of the letter and it would tell people what type of prescriptions you had. And so like what they had in this radio uh, story was like someone who had AIDS medication was all freaked out because, you know, he hadn't told his parents or other people. And so he didn't want people to know that information. So when it comes to diseases that you have and mental problems, people like freak the fuck out about people knowing it for many good reasons and others, you know, whatever. And so there is there is types of information about yourself that probably a lot of these companies, let alone Facebook, know. And if you knew that they knew it and then were using it to sell stuff to you, you would not like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, it probably is fair to say that there should be some regulation of you were going over this earlier of like. Here's here's people we have sold your information to, and then here are ads you were shown, and and then there would be some other service that was telling you something about that, right? But like I could see that that was the type of thing that you would want to open up and regulate more, um, and you know to make a comparison, like you could compare that to like TV consumption and even like direct mail. But the reason that you would want to regulate it more, the reason it's different this time, is that you can the amount of information that you can get at basically for free and the speed at which you can act on that information, it, it makes it the difference between like, you know, as, as an old stand-up comedian used to say, throwing a bullet and shooting it or like, you know, using, using a, a musket versus a machine gun. And so that step up in the efficiency of hustling people to, you know, separate them from their money and also just finding out information about them is probably, uh, you know, worth regulating a little bit more just like to close out just like after the uh the financial meltdown or whatever uh people had the the wherewithal regulators to think like oh maybe we should tell people who get home loans that basically they're going to get fucked in a couple of years it's probably a good idea to tell them that if if they don't realize it which is a bit like you know what do they call it daddy government or whatever but like there are some things where you've got information asymmetry and it is for the good of society and probably yourself to like know that to know the risk you're taking on. And then and then on Facebook's favor, right, people end up liking this stuff a lot because then they can document that it was extremely clear that people took on this risk and therefore are getting fucked like it's their fault and not Facebook's fault. Right. Or or not like to, to a certain extent. Right. Like it's hard to imagine that you would sue a tobacco company based on anything that they did in the past 10 years because the tobacco company would be like, everyone's told you that we're killing you. It's pretty clear, right? Like it, there's, no, there's no confusion 
about it being a bad idea to smoke. And so t- to some extent, it's nicer to have that regulation to uh, protect yourself on if, if people want to go down, uh, I don't know, drinking themselves to death, for example. Like, yeah, that's that's your choice, buddy. So <clears throat> exciting article this week on the Software Defined Talk members only white paper exegesis podcast. Now, if you're listening to this, you probably already uh, subscribe in the Patreon account. You can uh, you can be a member for as little as a dollar. I've seen people as we uh, encourage them been upgrading to five dollars a lot. We've got we've got almost like uh, like a hundred people. Well, almost if 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 you uh, don't mind math being a little broad, I think we've got like eighty eighty four, which is delightful. It's nice to know that people care. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think if you enjoy this, you'll also enjoy, of course, our main podcast, softwaredefinedtalk.com, which you don't have to give us any money to listen to that. But also the newsletter that we've been doing, which uh, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can uh, find out up in the header, subscribe to the newsletter. It's fun there. And I'll uh, I'll put I'll put a, a longer rant in there if you want to replay my greatest hits of ranting here. <laughs> um and uh, I think with that, uh, we'll. Oh, oh, yeah, well, one, on last thing. We go, one last thing. One last thing. What else is there, things. Brandon? We, we should plug a couple more things. One, uh, if you're not already a member, go join the uh, the Slack, mm. uh, the Software Defined Talk Slack. There's an Exegesis channel in there. And if you are so inclined and you want a free sticker, just find me in the Slack and uh, DM me your address or go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, go to the contact form and just send us your address. Happy to send you a sticker pretty much wherever. You are in the world. I haven't found an address where we couldn't send it at least. So uh, we've got a bunch of people in Australia, some people in uh, France, and uh, of course Great Britain. So happy to do that. And then if you're a real fan uh, and you're ready to uh, show off your fandom, you can get a T-shirt. Go out to softwaredefinedtalk.com, and there's a link for T-shirts at the top. They're $25. They come in a couple different colors. Think they're really good uh, shirts, so try get a shirt, wear it. Love to see you at a conference wearing it. You know, I'm sure we'd do something special for you if that actually happens. So check those out as well. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. See, I am not a predatory advertiser because I don't remember (laughs) what it is I'm supposed to hustle. But uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye.